Welcome to the McGuire Iron Podcast. My name is Brian Cooper. I am the Director of Business Development and Marketing at McGuire Iron and your host for this podcast. At McGuire Iron, we've been helping to store and protect quality water for over 100 years. On this episode, our guest is Kurt Fifley, the Executive Director for the South Dakota Association of Rural Water Systems. Kurt started his career in rural water as the general manager for the West River Lyman Jones Rural Water System in Murdo, South Dakota. After five years with West River Lyman Jones, he moved on to become the general manager for the Mid-Dakota Rural Water System in Miller, South Dakota. Kurt spent the next 25 years working as Mid-Dakota's general manager and is proud to say that when he started with the project in 1993, there wasn't a stick of pipe in the ground. Kurt helped marshal the project from design to construction to completion. He had a hand in every construction project awarded, every stick of pipe laid in the ground, and every water tower project erected. When the position of executive director for the association was opened, Kurt and his wife Lori saw this as an opportunity for him and his wife to come home to Madison, South Dakota, where Lori was raised and still has family, and to be able to continue in the profession that he has come to love working with great people in the many systems the association represents, as well as the entire extended family that is rural water. Kurt, welcome to the McGuire Iron Podcast. Yeah, my pleasure. Let's start with who is the South Dakota Association of Rural Water Systems? Sure. Um, you know, probably the best way to explain it in, in a phrase, you know, the, um, uh, there's strength in numbers. And that's, uh, that's really who South Dakota Rural Water is. We were founded in 1976. Uh, we were uh, organized to bring then the fledging, fledgling uh, rural water uh, program that was emerging in South Dakota to, to fruition. Uh, there was just a few at that time. Um, so they all banded together and, uh, and, 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 and brought uh, all of their uh, collective uh, power together. Uh, to form the association, you know, they, they kind of the the associations uh, kind of follow the uh, I'm going to call it the rural coop, rural electric cooperative models, uh, uh, and and we are in fact, or most of us, uh, many of us are are cooperatives uh, in 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 truth, you know, um, the cooperative model started clear back in the 1700s and Benjamin Franklin had one of the first uh, cooperatives in in America and uh, in you know 1750s um, but uh, but but the whole the whole idea behind it was to um, uh, you know bring the collective power of, of all those people together into an association and, uh, and, 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 and be better positioned to bargain for products and goods and services and, and those type of things. And that's, you know, that's why we were formed in order to, uh, to, to help these, uh, systems along, um, you know, give them power, give them voice, uh, in their legislatures and the federal government and, uh, and help them find fundings and, and ways, uh, uh, to expand and, and survive. So what's the mission today? I mean, that's why you were started. That's how it started. Where, what's the mission today and what's the direction? Sure. Uh, the mission today, and, and it really kind of goes back to your previous question of who we are, but, uh, you know, when, 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 a, when, a, when an organization is trying to develop a mission statement or a vision statement, you know, they, they always tell you, try to boil that down to the bare essence of, of what you do. And, uh, you know, the, the bare essence of what we do is to try and bring, um, you know, the, uh, 
the the power of an association, the you know the ability to do collectively what we couldn't do alone, and uh, and so we we try to do that. We try to bring that to our membership, and uh, and in doing so, you know we 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 help and we assist uh, with our uh, rural utility membership to make sure that they can bring water and uh, wastewater services that are, are plentiful quality safe uh to all the uh, the citizenry of our of our state you talked about your membership who makes up the membership of the south dakota association of rural water systems yeah our membership is pretty diverse um you know we we we, we would probably start with what i would call our core membership and that's the the utilities um, and, uh, and, and we separate those out into two classes, a, a class A and a class B membership. I'll talk a little bit about our class A membership first. The class A membership is comprised primarily of what, what, what we call our regional, uh, rural water systems. Uh, those are the, the, the rural water systems that, uh, uh, again, you know, probably, uh, spread over, uh, you know, all of, or parts of many counties. Um, we have about 27 of those in, in the state of South Dakota. It doesn't cover all the land area, but it covers a good share of it. And uh, the, the, you know, the, the vast majority of those belong to our association and our members of our association. When, when those regional water systems join as a Class A member, then each one of them gets a, uh, gets a, uh, a person that uh, can sit on our board of directors and represent their system. Um, that means that, you know, I've got 27 or more directors. <clears throat> when you add our class B systems in, our class B systems are predominantly our, our municipalities around the state. <clears throat> South Dakota has uh, just north of 300 municipalities, incorporated municipalities uh, uh, in the state. And, uh, you know, better than 80% of them are members of ours. So, you know, 250, give or take, uh, are members. And they're represented on our board by uh, uh, two directors, one uh, that represents the municipalities, municipalities at large out West River and one uh, out East River. But, you know, all sizes of communities uh, are our members, uh, from the very smallest uh, communities that we have in our state to the very largest, uh, South or Sioux Falls is a member of ours. Uh, Rapid City is a member of ours. Um, then we have uh, our Class C membership, which is uh, predominantly the sanitary districts, which is a government subdivision, and uh, water development districts, also a governmental subdivision. Um, that's a smaller group uh, and they're represented by one director so all told uh, our board uh, is is comprised of 30 people um and yes you know when you start talking about 30 people the, all of the old sayings of you know herding cats putting and keeping frogs in a wheelbarrow that all comes into play uh but i'm i'm always amazed at uh, you know you know when when i have 30 distinct and different personalities and 30 and distinct uh, different ideas of how to do things, how quickly they coalesce and, uh, and, and, and converge on the right, um, uh, the right idea and the right solution uh, for, for their rural water systems. It, 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 it truly is amazing when you're dealing with that many, uh, that many folks on a, on a board of directors. Then 
lastly, uh, also making up our membership is, is our associate members. Um, the associate members, we, they don't have a place on our board of directors, but they, you know, they play a vital role in, in everything that we, uh, that we do. Um, McGuire Iron, of course, is uh, one of our associate members. So thank you very much uh, for being a member of South Dakota Rural Water. Um, but uh, it's, it, it, it's heartening uh, when I think about this, you know, as we were going through this pandemic uh, for the last 14, 15 months, um, you know, we, we had a, a time, you know, when we were real concerned, you know, that we weren't going to be able to get the value of being a, 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 an associate member uh, to our association out back to you guys. Uh, that value usually comes in the way of being at our seminars and our conferences and displaying and having interaction with our members and customers. And of course, the pandemic shut a lot of that down. So we were concerned that, uh, you know, our members could, our associate members could leave and they could leave in droves and that would leave a, a big hole in our association. Um, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm grateful and, uh, and, and, and amazed and, uh, and, and thankful that, you know, when I don't know that we had any of our, uh, of our, uh, associate members, leave us in a lurch like that. They, they all continue to maintain their membership, stay with us. Um, you know, they, they, they worked with us as we converted our training uh, over to uh, virtual platforms. Uh, you know, a lot of times uh, when we have training to give, we reach out to the McGuire Irons. We reach out to others to, uh, to help participate in that training because you guys are the experts in, in the products and services that you provide. Um, and so they, re they, they worked with us to, uh, to make that conversion to that online platform and, and get that training out to our people and our, and our members. And we're uh, just eternally grateful for that. Well, and I think it says a lot about the type of organization you run, the type of people you have uh, on your team, because, you know, at the end of the day, everybody's in this to deliver clean, potable water and wastewater services to customers all across the state. Absolutely. Absolutely. So you've talked a little bit about your membership. What is the benefit for members? You talked a little bit about the associate members, but I'm more thinking about those utilities, about those you know, rural water systems, what kind of benefits do they get by being part of? Yeah, there, there, there's probably, um, you know, a, a few primary categories of benefits. Uh, you know, the first one would be lobbying services, uh, advocating services. The second would be training uh, services and then uh, uh, personal on-site uh, assistance uh, and those type of things. You know, on our on our lobbying, you know, I, I've said it before, I'll say it again, you know, we always strive, we always endeavor uh, to be the loudest voice in the room, whether we're in, uh, you know, a conference room in Pierce, South Dakota, or a, a, a lobby in, in, in Washington, D.C. You know, we want to make our voices heard and we want to uh, make sure that uh, those political leaders and those governmental entities understand the needs uh, of our membership and those needs from a regulatory standpoint or from a financial standpoint you know we 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 get that out there to them we make sure that they understand it and we follow up and make sure that they uh, uh, that they that 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 they 
are backing us uh, in those efforts as well. And South Dakota has very good legislators and very good uh, uh, congressional representatives. They're, they're always 100% uh, behind the, the water wastewater efforts in our states. We talked a little bit about the training. So normally training is done in person because whether you're a person in wastewater or water, you, a lot of people I don't think realize, have to have certain credits to stay certified to do your job. And when we got to COVID, like you said, it kind of threw everything in the air because the regulators said, well, you still have to be certified. And so organizations like yours had to pivot to say, how do we provide these training services that we do in person another way? Yeah, we have uh, you know we have many areas of training that we provide, but you hit on probably uh, uh, one of them that uh, is 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 core for us or paramount for us, and that's our operator certification uh, training. We have a contract with the state of South Dakota uh, to provide training uh, to all of our water and wastewater operators throughout the state regardless of the size of the community or the system and we do that free of charge um we uh you know jim zek is our is our trainer uh jim uh is been doing this for years and years and years has a bio uh, biology background uh you know the the guy's super smart super capable probably one of the best in the business in my opinion uh for uh, uh for for teaching uh, operator uh, certification materials um yeah it, it was interesting that this year during the legislature there was a bill that was working its way through the legislature that was dealing with operator certification it was more on on, uh, on how much they charge for exams and that sort of thing but uh, um, but but some of the information that was put out to uh, the legislators in hearings in dealing with the operator certification program was that overall in in South Dakota uh, there's an exam passage rate for um, uh, water and wastewater operators of around 40 to 50 percent, which tells you two things. Uh, one, it's hard. It, it, it's a hard business. You know, they, those those exams get harder the 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 the, the higher uh, certification level you you go. Um, so you know, nobody should fool themselves that uh, you could just walk off the street and 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 take a you know an operator to a certification course and and pass it without without any study. And, and many try that, and it just doesn't work, and that's where you get your 40 or 50% passage rate. But when you introduce a, a training program like South Dakota uh, uh, Real Water has for operator training, that goes from the 40 or 50 to well north of 70%. Um, and, and that's across all the, the entire spectrum, you know, of class one, two, three, or four, uh, exams. So, you know, that's, that says a lot about the quality of our, uh, of our training. You know, it, it was interesting over the, the course of, uh, COVID, the pandemic, we had other states, uh, actually reaching out to us saying, Hey, can we have some of our operators jump on? Um, your virtual classes uh, because they they need to get this stuff and we're just not getting it in our state uh, the way we need it. Um, you know, there's there's some issues with doing that, but uh, you know, we, we we tried to accommodate where we could and uh, and we and we did allow some for some of that. But it speaks a lot for our states, speaks a lot for that program, speaks a lot for Jim Zach in the quality of that certification program that he puts on. 
And I think that's one thing, you know, we talked, you've talked about the pandemic. What are some of the other things, you know, training is just one aspect that, that the pandemic has changed or made people come up with new ideas and do new things. What are some of the other things that your organization has had to do implement to help your members through this? Sure. Um, well, as, as we're working our way through the list of things that we provide to our membership, the lobbying, the training, probably the next one on the list is on-site assistance. Um, you know, we pride ourselves and, and, and we, we do an excellent job in this, and that is providing direct, hands-on assistance to operators in these small communities, in these small systems, uh, to, uh, to help them learn about their system and to help them uh, keep their system in working order and their system overall sustainable. Um, hard to do on-site assistance when you're being told to quarantine and, uh, and do it from home. Honestly, we did some of it. You know, we, we, we tried to revamp our on-site assistance programs so that, uh, you know, we were, when possible, if we could do that uh, assistance remotely, you know, either by a virtual platform like Zoom or on a cell phone, that's what we did. But if we if we had to go out on site uh, to provide the assistance, which we often had to because you just couldn't do it, uh, you know, from from a from a desk, then you know we worked with those systems to try and make it uh, as as safe and as comfortable as possible. You know, what do you want from us? You know, are we to wear a mask uh, when we arrive there? Are we to stay socially distanced, you know, only one person to pick up and all those kind of crazy things. But we made it work, <laughs> you know, wherever we went. Uh, we, we spoke to them first before going there to make sure that we understood what they were comfortable with. And then uh, we implemented the things that, uh, that they wanted us to do uh, in order to stay uh, safe and protected. So we made it work. Um, but it was a struggle. Has the pandemic changed the things you will do in the future, things you've learned through the process that you're going to, that you now say, this could be part of what we're going to just do going forward. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. Um, I, I've told people before, you know, 14 months ago or in February, uh, 2020, <laughs> um, I didn't know what zoom was, you know, I seriously never heard of it. You know, I barely heard of Teams and some of these others, and uh, and 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 after the pandemic hit, we very quickly, you know, reformatted our stuff and and brought everything to a virtual perfor- uh, uh, platform so that we could continue our training, so that we can continue our our uh, uh, our assistance. We converted our board meetings to virtual. Um, not the happiest with that, but, uh, but it worked, you know, I, I haven't sat in a board meeting now for over a year and well, well over a year anyway. Um, but we're going to start getting back to that, but you know, so I've had people say, you know, I suppose you're really glad, you know, now that the pandemic, uh, the end of this is in sight, uh, that, uh, that you'll be transitioning back to normal. I am very glad that that's happening. But not everything's going back to the way it used to be, nor should it. Um, you know, I believe truly that there are things that this pandemic has taught us. Um, you know, being able to um, do some of your work from home, being able to trust your employees 
that if they're working from home, that they're that they're working and they're being productive, and and they are um, at least at South Dakota Rural Water, they are. Um, you know, we 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 had number of times when people were either exposed or had COVID, um, uh, where they had to stay home, but they stayed productive. They got their work done, and uh, and we were we were able to continue and move on with without a hitch. Um, so I think that you know I think that's going to stay with us. You know, when when there's I, I think we're going to see a lot more hybrid uh, type meetings and functions. You know, where we'll have a seminar or a conference that's being put on in person, but we'll probably also create a virtual path uh, for either attendees or presenters uh, to come and, uh, and, and participate in, in those, uh, those meetings and conferences. I, I see that coming. I see it staying. Um, I see that uh, probably filtering out to our member systems as well in some areas. You know, some of our water operators, they have to be out in the field. That's where their, that's where their work is. Um, I get that. Uh, but, you know, the, uh, uh, the billing clerks, some of the administration, yeah, they could probably do some of their work from home from, you know, time to time. And, you know, you've been in uh, rural water for a long time now. You've run rural water systems before. What are some of the things, you know, we talked about COVID, but what are some of the things that you've seen as the biggest changes and where do you see rural water going and some of the things that you're going to face in the future as we continue to move forward? Honestly, uh, and I'm going, to, I'm going to speak to this more from a perspective of our utility members. Um, our, our utility members are, are you know, the, the biggest issue that they're faced with today is, is probably uh, making sure that they have the capacity uh, to... Uh, serve the needs of their of their of their system today, but also to serve the needs of their system in the future. You know the the when when these systems were built back in the 50s, the 60s, the 70s, even the 80s. Um, you know most of them were built under uh, uh, you know, I'm going to call it the old farmers' home program, which would be the rural development uh, program today. Um, but you know the, the rules that were in place at the time. You know, was uh, when when you built a system, you only built it to the need that uh, that 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 you that you said you needed uh, from from the engineer and that you could prove. Um, and uh, you didn't build in for for future expansion and for future capacity. Well, over the years, uh, that the need for that future uh, expansion and capacity has 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 come. And uh, these systems, they struggle. You know, it's it's not a matter of of uh, going in and, and you know making a pipeline bigger. You can't make a you know a, a, a ten inch into a twelve. The only way that you can do it is is put in uh, a pipe parallel to one that you've already got there. And uh, and because of the weird hydraulics uh, that go along with uh, uh, with the delivery of, of water through these systems, it's it's not a matter of you got a 10 inch pipe here so you you need uh, you know a little bit more so you put a, a, a parallel two inch that's not the way it works uh, you, you end up putting in probably a 12 um, and that and, and all that's costly so the the biggest issue that they're going to face 
And what we're seeing is this issue of, of building their capacity to, to meet not only what they need to meet today, but also in the, in the not-too-distant future. One of the things that we've just seen come out um, from the government is the American Rescue Plan Act, or ARPA, as a lot of people are calling it. And, you know, that's giving money directly into a municipality. And one of the categories it can be used in is water and wastewater. What is, what is South Dakota's stance on that? And how do you think something like this and other programs that are being talked about can really help the, the problem you're talking about? Yeah, we're, uh, we're we're keenly aware of uh, of the ARPA program and uh, and the potential of the kind of money that it could bring to our state, uh, which we're, we're talking a lot of money uh, in South Dakota, probably something well north of a billion dollars, which for a small state like South Dakota is a huge amount of money. Um, yeah, we believe that uh, you know a good share of that uh, that money would probably be best targeted towards infrastructure projects in our state. And when it comes to infra infrastructure projects, we think water and wastewater ought to rank pretty high in the priority of things. Um, we are uh, working with our member systems uh, and we are staying in communication with our, our state government to make sure that they know uh, what our needs are are out here. You know, we did a, a, a what I would call a very quick and dirty um, uh, request from all of our um, regional systems, saying, "Hey, you know, what projects do you have out there, and uh, uh, that 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 you could move forward with relatively soon? You know, probably within the next twelve to twenty-four months, and uh, and, and 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 it would be." something that would be of value and and of good value to to your system you know we we don't want to throw good money at bad projects obviously um got a heck of a response i'm sure you uh, did yeah, i really did uh you know i was surprised uh in very short order and i'm talking days and maybe weeks uh we compiled a list of nearly a half a billion dollars worth of projects just from those regional systems not even the communities that we serve so the need is there you know, and uh, we're not so naive to think that, uh, you know, our state of South Dakota is going to, you know, say, well, here, you know, here's a half right. billion dollars. Go go do what you do best. Um, but uh, but, you know, I, I, I think that, uh, you know, the, the the information that we'll compile and put together and provide to the state will show that, uh, you know, that we've done a good job planning. We know where we need to go. Here it is. And, uh, you know, the need is there. Fund what you can. Well, and I think that, you know, back to the pandemic, I think the pandemic really brought to light a lot of infrastructure issues because of just people staying at home, people having to virtually commute, all of these different things that has now shined a light on places where might not have, have been shined before and now it's getting attention that it has needed. Right, right. Yeah, you know, early in the pandemic, I was I was uh, amazed to hear. I got a call from one of my... Uh, one of my regional systems uh, who just had a, uh, a large ethanol plant shut down on him. And uh, he, he said, man, Kurt, this, this could, this could really hurt us. Um, you know, that uh, they, they, they represented a significant share of, uh, of our daily water production and sales. And, and now they're just doing nothing. Um, so, you know, we, we, we worked with them and, and tried to get them to the, to the right places 
to get answers to where there might be some help uh, to help them through you know these these troubling times. Um, you know, we we were concerned at the initial uh, onset of the pandemic with some of our communities that uh, relied on tourism. Um, predominantly out in the Black Hills, you know, we had a lot of communities that, uh, you know, their whole their whole year was uh, was predicated upon the revenue that they'd received from from tourism, and and there there was some concerns, uh, you know, but we here again, you know, we tried to give them the the places that they could go, the resources that they could utilize uh, to to help them weather uh, this this tough period. Um, I don't know that we ever really, you know fell into a huge problem, uh, what could have been a huge problem, but, but, uh, but you know, this people of South Dakota are pretty resilient and they were able to get through it uh, fairly well. I guess my last thing I want to talk about is what are the things that excite you? Where, what are the things that are exciting in South Dakota rural water? Where are you going and what, what gets you, what gets you excited every day? Um, you know, if, if, if I had to talk about something that, that really kind of excites me, it's, it's technology, the technology of things. Um, you know, maybe that's my answer to the Internet of things. But uh, I, I absolutely love the fact uh, of, of how much uh, South Dakota Rural Water focuses on emergency, uh, emergency, emerging uh, technologies and, and the utilization of that. Um, you know, we offer uh, leak detection services uh, to our uh, to our member uh, customers. Uh, we use you know very sophisticated leak correlators. You know, where basically they use sound uh, to find leaks uh, under 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 the ground. Um, we uh, we go in uh, and help uh, some of these small communities find. Uh, where all their valves are and all their valve risers and and help them exercise them and keep them in good working order but at the same time while we're doing that we might also offer to uh, take a gps uh, shot on that valve and oh by the way as long as we're doing a gps shot on that valve maybe we should gps this and this and pretty soon we're doing the uh, you know the entire small community and and putting together a, a gis or a geographical information system smart map if you will um uh, you know locating all of their valves locating all of their other appurtenances uh, that are on their water system and putting together a map for them to use um uh, for their for their their system and their purposes in the future you know it, it it's so often and i've seen it a hundred times you know, with these, especially with these very small communities, you know, that they may still be, um, you know, operating a water system, but the person that's operating it is probably somebody that's, you know, 70, 80, maybe more years old. And all of the information of that system is in their head. And, uh, and when they leave or heaven forbid pass away, it all leaves with them. And so they, they have to, you know, they they have to figure out a way to 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 get beyond that and make their system continue to work and be sustainable and that's usually where South Dakota steps in will will help them find where all their valves are will help them map out their system give them a map say here you go um, and uh, and 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 continue to offer them help and assistance in in keeping their system uh, moving forward. That also brings me to another thing that, that I, I kind of am excited to see, and we're seeing more and more of it as we, uh, as we uh, progress through the years, and that's uh, these 
and again, I'm going to say these very small communities. And when I say very small, I'm usually talking population of a couple hundred or less. Um, we're seeing a migration of these systems getting getting themselves out of the water business. They they understand that uh, you know it's it's become expensive. It's become too complicated. Uh, they don't have the the personnel there or the certification they need. Um, so they're turning to our regional systems and or larger systems in in the area and asking for their help. And we're seeing a lot of our systems stepping up to the plate and saying. Yeah, not only can we help in, in, in selling you water in a bulk supply, we can also contract with you uh, to run your day-to-day -day operations, or we can actually uh, look at taking over your system and just running it ourselves. We're seeing a lot more of that, and, uh, and to me, that's encouraging. I, I like to see that. All right, Kurt. Well, thanks for taking the time to be on the podcast today and uh, sharing more about South Dakota Rural Water. Absolutely. My pleasure. Remember, you can always connect with us by going to our website, mcguireiron.com. You can ask questions by sending us an email at info at mcguireiron.com, or you can follow or reach out to us on any of our social media platforms. We are on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Thank you for joining us on the McGuire Iron Podcast. <laughs>